Hello, world. Welcome back to Ignited Fortitude Podcast with Steve, Will, and Bay Forrest this time. Unfortunately, you guys be praying for Bobby. He finally got what's been going around, uh, that COVID bug. Uh, fortunately for him, he doesn't have any symptoms other than he can't taste anything, which is weird. Which, which I know. is the worst. Yeah, I lost my <laughs> sense of taste and smell with it, and it was... Uh, pretty horrible and i don't even think i got it back yet so completely <laughs> yeah me neither <laughs> <laughs> so uh we're really excited today we're gonna go back into bay forest he's made the time to to come and meet with us again he actually came last night and taught the youth in our youth group and it was a really good teaching it was phenomenal um i know he went pretty quickly through it with the youth um and he he gave everybody books way to grow by Bay and Peg Forest, and I read the first 12 chapters this morning. So, <laughs> so um, it's a good book. It's an easy read, and you, we, you definitely get an insight to Bay and Peg. Um, and uh, what we want to do today is kind of go back into what you taught the kids last night. You go off okay. of, uh, you could call it the four Fs, right? Food, right. fitness, fostering, and father. So get, let's, let's go, babe. Tell us about it. <laughs> Tell us about it um, with the food aspect. Well, you know, with me being six foot ten, or at least I used to be, I'm shrinking in my old age, but at six ten and with that background in basketball and all of that, a lot of the places that I go, you know, that's that's one of my platforms. I don't like being tall now because I have to get on planes. They don't fit. Cars don't fit as well as what they would otherwise. It's hard to find clothes, shoes with a size 16, you know. So that was not always an easy thing, but it was a good platform. And since it was a platform, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be all things to all men so I can lead some of them to the Lord. And so if I could use my experience in being 6'10", and what it took for me to grow to be 6'10", we thought, well, that ought to be something worth taking a look at. And I'm always looking for a new way to present the gospel, a new way to have people uh, understand what it is to know Christ and to grow in him. So I started thinking about, okay, the things that were necessary for me to grow to be 6'10", I started thinking about it. I knew, well, for sure you got to have the right food. You have to have that nutrition that goes with it. And I loved eating. So I had some great stories of that and some good stories from guys from my past with that there, uh, from Africa and all of that. But then having uh, the fitness side of it, if you're going to eat, you got to also you know, you get put the exercise in or you're not going to end up being in shape at all for what I was doing, at least in basketball. But then as well, uh, to find out that with fostering, uh, I, with kids, I always talk about friends because they need those friends, that encouragement. But it's been a proven fact that uh, little babies, if they don't get the love and encouragement as they're growing, as they're younger and needing to grow, not only will they not grow well, they can even die. Uh, they can, it can even uh, have them be to a point where they can't stay alive and function. And then finally, the thing that was obviously important for me if I was going to grow to be six foot ten is I had to have a big daddy. If my daddy had been five ten, I wasn't going to be six ten. You right. know, that'd be a real anomaly <laughs> for that to happen. And my daddy was six six two thirty five, and so I took after him. And so I tied those four in because the same four things are necessary for us to grow spiritually. We have to have the right food, the Word of God, fitness, applying 
studying the Word of God, fostering that love, encouragement, that accountability, that support that we need of hanging around other followers of Christ. And most importantly, if you don't have a relationship with the Father, you will not grow spiritually. So that's what uh, kind of in a nutshell what it's, uh, it's about. And we can talk about that as much as you want to on any of those uh, four Awesome. So going into the food, right, the scripture, the word of God, um, kind of I, I, we talked before when we were coming up when I was coming up with some questions to talk to you about. Um, and what is like, how do you see, first of all, like what what scripture do you turn to? I know what it says in the book, and I'm, I'm sure that's the one you're going to bring up. But what scripture do you turn to that makes you feel like the word is what we need? Well, for me, I, I want to pattern my life after Jesus in everything that I do. And I always tell people, I love to tell stories because Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all time. Well, I want to be like Jesus in every way I can. Well, Jesus is the one that said, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Okay, if Jesus said, I function off of or I get satisfaction or uh, or nutrients from doing the will of the Father, well, how do we know what the will of the Father is? Right here. That's the best way for us to know the will of the Father. This nonsense of, well, today I feel like God would have me. No, it better be backed by this because we can't back anything that we think we're going to do with the Word of God. Then we're getting away from the Word of God. So if Jesus said his food was to do the will of the Father, and we know this is the will of the Father, then that's where I would want to go. And so I love uh, one of my favorite verses is uh, from the Phillips translation. Philippians 4.8 says, Fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Uh, In other versions, it'll say, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, pure. But I like the way it says to fill our minds because that's what we feed on. We f- what we put into our minds is what we're feeding up, uh, filling up with, and getting the right food in our lives. So, I love to challenge. I don't care if it's teens, if it's men, if it's when I'm preaching in churches. I want it to be. You got to get into the Word of God. You got to be willing to do this. Well, I loved eating whenever I was a kid, and I have never known a time where I didn't like to eat. And I told those students last night. I said I have never known a person ever to go a whole week. And at the end of the week, go, I can't believe it. I just got so busy. I forgot to eat. I just went a week and I didn't eat. I've never known anybody to do that. Why? Because we trained our bodies to need food. And we know they do need food. You go a week without food, you're going to start feeling weak. You know, and that's what I always tell people. I say, uh, if you have weak devotions, if you have weekly devotions, you're having weak devotions. You know, uh, they're just not, if you're once a week getting into the word, that's not enough. And that is not legalism. A lot of people immediately will jump on, that's legalistic. You're saying, no, I just don't do well if I don't stay in this book. I mean, this morning, before we did any of this, I wanted to get in and have my quiet time. And uh, I just happen to be reading in Deuteronomy right now. Well, that's not always the greatest place to be able to really get a lot out of, but it is because there's some really good things in there. And I love Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. That's where the, the Jewish people call it the Shema. And that's where they will quote over and over, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your, our God is one God, or the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. When Jesus is asked one time, what's the greatest commandment of all? Yeah. We want to know what the will of the Father is? Okay, 
uh, if we're if we're trying to think about uh, how do we do the will of Jesus said my food is to do the will of the uh, of the Father. What is the will of the Father? Jesus was asked one time, "Teacher, what's the greatest commandment of all?" In Matthew, what was it in uh, Matthew? I wear it. I wear a wristband that has it with it there, and so and I would say he does it in all of the different uh, gospels. gospels yeah. But in Matthew, in Matthew twenty-two verses thirty-seven through thirty-nine, somebody comes to him and says, "Teacher, what's the greatest commandment of all?" Okay, that ought to be the will of the Father, shouldn't it? If yeah. it's the the greatest commandment, God Correct. says this is more important than anything else. Immediately, Jesus doesn't go, whoo, boy, there's a good one. Let me think about that. He just goes, well, the greatest commandment of all is Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And he quotes it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul. And one of the gospels, he adds mind Mm -hmm. and strength. And then he goes on. He says, oh, and by the way, the second commandment is like unto the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so how are we going to know those kind of things, to know the importance of loving God with everything you got in you and loving your neighbor as you love yourself if we don't know his commands and what he's told us to do. So that's not legalism. That's a, no, I love God and I want to be like him. So if I want to be like him, then I'm going to, I'm going to try to learn his word and know these scriptures to do so. So with that, how are like, what are your thoughts and how do you handle like the different controversies or corruption, the deconstruction that we see happening in the church today where they're totally Tearing apart scripture, yeah. essentially, or manipulating yeah. in a manner yeah. that that it's, I agree. folks are getting confused. It is manipulated, and I believe it's also cherry picked. Uh, what they'll Correct. do, they'll go in and they'll say, "Well, see." But if you can only take one verse to try to prove your point, so you ought to be able to prove this with many different places in Scripture, and that's what's happened today. And it really burdens me because it all ties with the one thing that the enemy, the devil, did when he was first cast out of heaven. Why was he cast out? Because of pride. Because he wanted to be like God. You know, why? how come God gets all the creds? You know, how come I'm not getting some of this? And he got cast out. Well, that's what I see happening today. I see a lot of people saying, oh, we're a lot smarter today than what they were several hundred years ago. And we have been enlightened. That's a dangerous thing when we start talking about getting enlightened because We've got way too many theologians, godly men and women from years past that have known and searched this scripture and known God and the Spirit of God has spoken to them, and they all have given us real truth in this book. And now we have people that are saying, yeah, but I don't think that's really what it meant. Personally, I don't really care what they think. That scares me when we start going there. If you And you should do the same with me. If I say, you know what, guys, I think you ought to change and start doing... Why? That's I exactly want to know why. Yep. You know, where did that come from that you're going to choose that right. and yep. be in that way? It's, and it's also kind of, uh, and I, I've heard Pastor Pat talk about it. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. It's, it's the world redefining That's exactly the words right. that are in there to, to fit what yes. they want it to. So yes. when you're taking the, the, the scriptures and you're changing what something means, like that's where you start to put it on. Put, Make yourself greater than God, essentially. Yep. And, and that's what the devil did. Yep. You know, he said, who is he to be the one in charge with all this? And so now he has tried to prove that he is the prince of this world, you know, and so look what I can have people do and I'll control them and I'll have them be a part. So he's thrilled when he can get people to say, no, I think it's different than what it's been saying all these years. And now these people think they have this new enlightenment. That really does concern me and scare me when I see that happen. Okay. 
Uh, you got anything on on the word? Will any questions for Bay? If you don't have any, it's cool because I want to get into. Uh, go ahead. Correct, and and you're right. And sorry, I'm I got so many things running through my head, <laughs> and like we go back to uh, about daily devotional, getting into our scripture, being fed yeah. every moment in the day, and it talks about that in Ephesians six eighteen, right? Praying at all times yes. in the Spirit with all prayers and supplication. Now. If we're not doing that in some form or some fashion and getting into Scripture and not cherry-picking, yep. right? Because yep. we can go and cherry-pick everything in the in the Bible right. to fit our narrative. Right. And with the corruption like we talked about, it's seeping in not just at, at, at the low level you know, of, of our youth because they're, they're making changes and de- redefining, like Pastor Pat says, redefining sin. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's sin. It's sin. Right. Stop. Stop That's calling right. it. Wait, it's not oh. a mistake. It's not a mistake. Oh, easy now. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. sin. It, it's sin. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You know. I just want to make sure. I, I got it. My bad if I mess up the first time. Yeah. But if I do the second and third time, yeah. No, no. I'm sinning and I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah. So, as we continue moving that and try to stay engaged with our with our with our community at all levels, because I'm sure you've seen it and we've all seen it in the world that some of our even you know, godly men have stumbled in some form yep. and try to relabel yeah. that sin. That's right. You know, yeah. oh, I, I stumbled. No, 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 that's a hard stumble because it wasn't really a stumble yeah. because now you've yeah. been doing it yeah. and you've been representing uh, uh, and talking and, and bringing the word to your people. Now you just destroyed your church because they were banking that here's a man of God and nothing shall bring him down. Yeah. You know, so it goes about that piece, and and I'll turn it over because I'll well, keep on I, I, rambling. I do but think it's important to note, though, that we all are gonna sin. Correct. And we're all gonna yes. fall yes. short That's of right. the glory yeah. of God. God, and we shouldn't be going to church because of our pastor. We we should, we, we should be going to church to be worship and be in relationship with. Well, God. and we do the same thing as what Will was talking about there. Yeah, I, it concerns me with the people in the spotlight because they have such a an audience, they have such an influence, and it scares me when they will try to justify that sin in their life mm-hmm. somehow and say, well, but you don't understand what was going on or this or that. Yeah, I don't like that, but the thing is we do the same thing. Yes. We have a tendency ourselves to say, yeah, but in this situation, it was a little different. No, let's just look at what the Word of God says, and it says, flee the evil desires of youth. It tells us we got to stay away from this stuff. Uh, one of the first verses I taught my son as he hit puberty, and he's now the battalion commander over here at Fort Huachuca, uh, with, with working him through his time of growing up as a teen was 1 Thessalonians 4.3 that says, God wants you to be holy and completely free from sexual immorality. Well, that doesn't go today. People don't want to hear that mm-hmm. because they're going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, yep. There's got to be room for a little. No, the Bible says completely free from sexual immorality. So what we did and what I was talking with the kids last night about was what we do is we say, yeah, but that's just going all the way sexually. If you do have sex, then that's... That's not what it said. It said completely free from sexual immorality, which that includes, that comes that word sexual immorality comes from the Greek word porneus. That's where we get our word for pornography. So it is anything, It's it, that definition is the sex act and anything that leads up to the sex act. Because what we want to do is say, I didn't go all the way. I'm just sort of having a little fun here. And Correct. the Bible says, if you're getting turned on, stop and back up. You just went too far. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't fit with our society today no. because they're saying you got to experience this. You got to sort of fool around, or how are you going to know what real good sex or relationships are? What a lie from the enemy! God created us with the ability to have a good sexual relationship with our spouse, and we want to somehow think that we got to experiment some so that we can get it all figured out before we go into a marriage relationship. That's just a lie from the enemy. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think it's important. Um, when we talk about that, like when like when you fall, those people who've fallen are trying to redefine it and like you you didn't sin against anybody else but God, right? Yeah. King David, yeah. right? Like yeah. right. he right. sinned against God yeah. and he recognized yeah. that. And that's why God recognized him as a, a man after his own heart. And right? it's interesting that you say that, Steve, because it's true. First of all, we sin against God, but Paul said, not only do you sin against God, but you sin against your own body then yeah. as well. So you are sinning against God and then you're hurting yourself. And we don't, want to under, we don't want to look at the fact that that is there. Now, I would want to go beyond that, though, and say, listen, haven't we all done, as you said, stupid things? We've mm-hmm. all sinned. Yes. That's why 1 John 1, 9 is so important, where it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So for anybody listening to this podcast, don't be going, yeah, well, I've blown it, so it's too late for me. Oh, no, no, no. That's what what the word of God and the blood of Jesus is all about. He says, I got you covered on this one. I died for your stupid things you've done, for my stupid things that I've done, and I'm so thankful that he's not going back and checking that all out and saying, yeah, but remember when you, you know, God never does. If you've confessed your sin, God never does yabbit. Correct. Yeah. There's never a yabbit. Just that cross, you know, cross that out. That's right. <laughs> and, and it goes back to, you know, as we continue on these portions and it goes back to also for, for, foresting, uh, fostering, my name. I know, <laughs> fostering, uh, not just our peers, but but the youth, mm-hmm. and in setting that example. I mean, if we take that ownership, that accountability, uh, they will continue, you know, our youth will continue to follow. And even some of our older generations that witness that accountability say, yeah, yeah. you know what? That's on me. I ask for forgiveness. So that's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. And take accountability for yeah. that because today's world, like we talked about, there's no accountabilities being That's right. lost. That's right. You know, yeah. only certain That's groups right. and certain year or generations. It's a mix of generations because I can't say it's one generation or another. Right. That that accountability was always like, mm, not really sure I want to do that because yeah. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. No, it goes back to also you know if the truth is going to set you free. So if you hold still, if you are accountable to your faults. That's setting you free from all those things that that you're trying to hide from. That's one of the things that concerns me the most, even with what's happening today. Everyone's looking for somebody else to point the finger at and say, this is why I have the problems I have, instead of just take ownership. And yeah, we've got a lot of things that happened in this country of the past that nobody's proud of. But if we keep going back to that and saying, here's why I'm having the problems I'm having, you can always find somebody to blame for what's going on in your life. But that's why we get a fresh start. We get the opportunity. In Christ, he says, that's that Second Corinthians five seventeen again. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. 
I'm a new person. My wife loves that verse because she came out of a totally different background than me, where I was raised in the Christian home. And man, my dad was my spiritual mentor and the most godly man I ever knew. And I I loved having that godly Christian influence in my life. So I gave my life to Christ as about a seven or eight-year-old. And that was a good thing for me. Well, my wife came from a totally different background where she didn't have that. And in high school, she's searching for where can I get fulfillment? And she thought, well, I got to try it with the friends I'm hanging out with and with the drugs and the alcohol and the stuff like that. She tried all that and realized she was still empty. And finally, when she came to Christ and somebody explained to her what it meant to know Christ and have relationship with him, she loves 2 Corinthians 5.17 because she said that happened to me immediately in an instant. She said, I was a new creation. She said, I went home, grabbed my Bible, and I was just devouring the Word of God. I loved this book because these were the answers I hadn't had and I knew I needed in my life. So I love the fact that it doesn't matter if you come from a really tough situation of your background or from a godly one. We're all responsible. And just because my daddy was a godly man, that didn't give me any points with God. God doesn't have any grandchildren. I had to come into relationship with him myself, and I had to surrender my life to him so that I could get on that road of saying, God, I don't want to be that way. And I was a seven or eight-year-old, but I was already telling lies, and I'd stolen something and done things like that. And it was I had pride. And what does the Bible say? One sin separates us from God. So anybody that's watching this podcast going, yeah, but you don't know what I've done, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is, God will forgive that. And he sees all sin, whether it's my dumb little things as a seven or eight-year-old from a Christian home or somebody doing the worst of stuff, he'll forgive it and he'll forget it. All right. And the last little part I want to hit on scripture, in in your book and in school ministry, we've talked about it a lot, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right. So looking at that one, that's why we need to be in our word, yep. right? Yeah. Like, and that's, right. that's what it's, it's to correct us, it's to train us. I mean, I, I cannot... It, that when I got to that part of of your book, like I was in it, like so I I really think like for people listening, like if you if you can get your hand on this book, way to grow, it, and and you're just looking for that little extra help to to get a foundation to yeah. get a, a better understanding of what you need to do to grow spiritually. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I don't even think I've made it out of the first F yet, <laughs> but it's it's awesome. Well, and I always say, don't ever replace this with one of these. Right. This will point you to this. A good devotional book will point you to the Word of God, but this is the Word of God that we want to stay in. And so scriptures like what you, or First uh, Timothy 2, uh, 15 that says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, that rightly handles or divides the Word of truth. Yep. Man, we got to study. We got to get into it. It can't just be, well, I go to church, I listen, you know. What about getting into the word yourself and really digging so that you can get something good out of it? Right. And then that goes directly into the next stuff, right? Like it's about more than just studying. It's 
living it. It's yeah. acting on yeah. it. The yeah. fitness, you know, uh, you, you, you used the illustration last night about, um, the, your, the guy you found in Africa who came to Grand Canyon University to play right. basketball right. and he was six foot nine or 10 and six, nine. 160 pounds yeah. and he needed to get in the gym after going to the cafeteria right. to, to build that muscle, yeah. um, to get him to where he could sustain playing yeah. in the NBA and That's not right. get just thrown all over the place. Yeah. So with that, how does that look in your spiritual life? How do how do we li- how do we live it? So much the just the same thing with that, obviously. And even t- we talked about those scriptures from First and Second Timothy that talk about studying and that scripture is is valuable. Or Philippians four eight, fill your minds. Those all actually take the Word of God and then what we need to do with the Word of God. Because yeah, it's here. And you can even just read it, but to really feed on it, you've got to let it get sink deep into your heart and your life and then start applying it, as you uh, mentioned with that there. We have to. Studying God's Word, that's not easy. When I was working out, it wasn't easy. I needed to, I needed to be in the best shape I could. I, I remember literally going up, dunking a ball in high school, dunking it, catch it, dunking it, catch it 20 times, go over, throw up at the side, come back, dunk it, catch it. I was pushing myself because I wanted that vertical. You know, as a white man, I just couldn't jump that well. <laughs> it wasn't fair. <laughs> I didn't have the good vertical, so I wanted that. And so I, if I was going to have a good vertical, I was going to have to put some real time into that there. And so, uh, I worked at doing so. The same thing is true with Scripture, with the Word of God. We have to work at it. You don't just, yeah, I'll, I'll glean a little bit here and there. I'll read a little bit of this or that. We have to take it and put it deep into our life and spend time. And that includes the memorization of Scripture, too. I'm amazed at how many people say, I just can't memorize. You know what they can memorize? The lyrics to every song they like. Mm-hmm. And I understand so- songs are easier to do so. Sometimes it wouldn't hurt for us to put a put scripture to music, and then probably we'd be able to memorize it better. But we memorize what we want to. Correct. We memorize the things that we need to know. If there's, uh, uh, I'm blown away with guys that are into sports, the statistics they know. Oh, yeah. They can tell you every statistic from every player they like, you know, and they know it all like that. And then they say, but I can't remember where something's found in the Bible. Really? So you can't remember, you know, uh, remember John 3.16 because we heard it over and over and over all the time. But we ought to be able to take the Word of God. And it's not that we have to have all of the Scripture references down, but it sure helps if when you're going to share something, you can say, well, let me tell you what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3 or wherever it is that we're talking about there. It is good for us to be able to find Scripture and be able to then present it to other people when the time comes. I love what it tells us in uh, it's in First Peter chapter uh, one, chapter three, verse fifteen and sixteen, and it says uh, it, it tells us the importance of memorizing, but then being able to use it. And it says what we have to be able to do is pull it out and be able to share it when the time comes when there's an opportunity to do so you got to be able to share it with other people and it, it the, the scripture goes set apart Christ as lord and always be prepared to give an account of the hope that's within you doing it with gentleness 
and with fear. So it says, set apart Christ as Lord. Okay, that means make him Lord of your life. But once you've done that, then always be prepared to give an account of the hope that's within you. Okay, now that doesn't mean that we go, well, it says here and it says here. The most important thing that we can share with other people is our story. Mm-hmm. But our story should be tied to the Word of God because you don't have a story if it's not tied to His Word and how He saved us. But, well, for you to share and say, hey, I know this guy played in the NBA, you know, and he has this crazy story. Well, that's secondhand. Correct. But when you say, let me tell you what God did in my life. Yes. Let me tell you how He saved me because nobody can refute that. That's, that's firsthand. They're going, well, you ought to know it happened to him. So they can hear that, and that'll be way more powerful than sharing somebody else's story. With, with that said, you know, with that, you know, being fed and, and getting ready in the fitness aspect, we all sometimes have doubt, right? And then as you're building your body physically and then us also, you know, all of us doing the, the build in our mind and heart through Scripture— how do we deal with that in doubt? I mean, I mean, you know, even the, d- the disciples doubted. I mean, absolutely. Peter walking on water yeah, and doubted yeah. in that moment, yeah. and Lord save me, right? Yeah. So, 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 so those are the big boys on the block, and they're going, oh, now here we are, you know, relatively young Christians. We could, we could, you know, say compared to them, right? If we're doing comparison, we're going to get beat up with that doubt. That's right. Right? And so so how do you handle that in our fitness portion to, to combat that? Yeah. To say, hey, stop. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great question because it does hit us at all times. That's what the enemy uses as much as anything is throwing doubt at us. He wants to, wait a minute, you say you're a Christian and you were, do- how can you think you, and then he wants us to question whether it's real in our lives. Because if we have to look back and say, well, I'll tell you how I know I'm a Christian. It's because how I acted for the last uh, five years. I'm not saying that. Are you kidding? Because you can find things in my life that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be impressed with, you know. And so that's not how I know. I know I'm saved because of what God's words tells me. Make somebody saved allows us to be saved, and I have applied that. I've put that trust in my life, and that's so important. I think on the last podcast, I may have shared something about this, but my dad taught me a great thing on that, on that whole thing of doubt and the importance of how to trust and to do things the right way. He was dying of cancer, and he didn't have much time left. He'd gone to the doctor. The doctor said, you know what? Uh, We can give you a few weeks probably, but that's about it. And he said, I want to go home, stay with the family. We all live on 35 acres, and we have our homes there, and so we we support each other in that and all. We call it the, the compound. It's weird. you know. It's a, uh, we're on the property. And, and so he came back, and this was years ago, 20 years ago, and he came back, and as he came, he drove by our uh, our house. I went out to see how he was doing. I said, Daddy, how you doing? And he would never complain. He said, I'm doing fine. I'm doing all right. Doctor says that I can just come home and I can be here, and I'll go be with Jesus from here. And I said, Daddy, I don't want to lose you. He said, but bae, I'm going to be with Jesus. Don't take that from me. He said, well, that was, that was cool that that was my dad's approach. And then he stopped and he said, you know, I've been thinking about it. And it was kind of interesting because as he got closer to that time of going to be with the Lord, he, you could just tell. He had spent so, t- so much time with Jesus. God was preparing him to take him home. And so anything he was sharing with me, I was just wanting to glean anything I could from him. And he said, you know, I think I can put the Christian life into two words. And I was like, what? You can put the li- Christian life into two words? And he said, yeah. And I said, what would those two words be, Daddy? And he said, you know the song we used to sing, uh, we, so, we sing in, in church all the time, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He said, Bay, that's the, 
That's the key to the Christian life. Trust him and obey him. And I think when we have doubt in our life, that's the time to say, God, I wondered about all this stuff, but I want you to know I trust you because I've seen you do enough in my life. I trust you that your word is true. And so what I want to do now is I want to follow through in obedience to that. And that's part of that fitness. That's you know what the word of God says, but then you say, I'm not just going to hear this. What does it tell us in James 1, is it 22, where it says, don't just be hearers of the word of God, do it. We got to do it as well, and okay. that's so important for us to to follow through with what we know God's word says. But for some people with the doubt, one of the things I know is really important, and God saw the importance of this. Remember with the children of Israel when they went, uh, they were going through uh, the wilderness, and God was providing for them. Took them over the red uh, through the Red Sea, parted it, and and saved them from the Egyptians. And He provided them with manna and with all the stuff that, uh, that they got. To see. He had them when they got to the Jordan River, and they were going to cross over. He said, I want you to pile a big old pile of rocks up here to remind you of what I'm going to do for you. Because he backed up the Jordan. I would have loved to see that. There's, I, there's some video I want to see in heaven, and that's one of them. I want to see what he does backing up all that water all the way. But where does that water go? Way up high in the air or whatever. But he stopped, and it went. they had dry ground to walk across the Jordan. And they put a pile of rocks up, a pile of stones from the 12 tribes. And every tribe put their stone up there. And it was a reminder, this is what God has done for us. Don't ever forget this. And God said, now, don't you forget and tell this to your kids. Tell this to your grandkids. Keep sharing this. That's what we ought to be doing too. That pile of stones was called an Ebenezer. We used to sing a song in church. I didn't know what it meant. (laughs) Here I raise thine Ebenezer. You know, what? What's an Ebenezer? You know, and an Ebenezer was a pile of stones. And that's what it was talking about. It was that memorial, that remembering of what God has done. We ought to have that in our lives. We ought to be going back and saying, yeah, but remember, I remember what God did here. I remember when he did this. I remember when he took care of that. And so I, that's why I love talking about my times with the Suns and with uh, basketball and turning down. And everybody saying I was the biggest idiot in the world to turn down playing uh, for the Seattle Supersonics when they offered me a guaranteed contract to play for Bill Russell. He had more NBA rings than fingers. He had 11. <laughs> and he calls me and says, yo, Bay, I want you to play. And when I turned that down to play with Athletes in Action, a branch of Campus Crusade for Christ, Everybody thought I was the biggest idiot in the world until a year later, the Phoenix Suns bought my rights from the Seattle Supersonics and signed me to a bigger, longer-term contract, and I got to play for the one team in the NBA I wanted to play for. That's an Ebenezer. I say, I remember when everybody said I was an idiot, but I remember how God took that and blessed it in my life. And he'll do that for us over and over. Yeah, I think that's super important. I've talked about it before on the podcast about holding on to the truths that you know. But something you said at the beginning that just totally clicked with me today because it was part of my Bible study, that recognizing that Doubt is what the enemy uses, what yeah. Satan uses, right? Yeah. Genesis 3, that's the first time sin entered the yeah. world was Correct. through doubt. Right. Was surely you won't die. You know, uh, like Has that's, he said? Did he say that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so creating that doubt. So being able to recognize when you are doubting in yeah. that moment, like, like, yeah, it's great. Like you're – you're thinking that means you're thinking you're you're thinking about it you're you're questioning it but that doubt recognizing like that's not true yeah. i got to go back to what i do know and that's and, where this is so right. important then. exactly yep. so let's go into fostering yes. because this one i thought was super like the the way you did it with the kids was was friendships yeah. um and but when you were talking about fostering just briefly with the kids and you mentioned it, it 
at the beginning of the podcast about um, that study that was done and that the the babies were dying yeah. from not being nurtured. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go into that a little bit. We right? can, we've got to have that nurturing. And uh, when I was at Grand Canyon College back before it was uni, university now, um, I did a psychology class and they had a study that we read about uh, that was done in South America. They wouldn't even have allowed it here, I don't think, ever uh, to do so. But they did it in South America and they took all the babies and they divided them into two groups. Newborn babies that were orphans, and they took half of the baby or the, all of the babies got fed well, they got changed, they got kept warm, good clothes, no problem with any of that at all. So they had all of those physical needs that were necessary. Half of the babies, after they fed them, changed them, made sure that everything was okay, then they held them, they loved them, and they spent time with them. The other half, to see what would happen, they just set them down in their crib and didn't spend any time with them. And it does sound cruel uh, mm-hmm. to do that because we would, we'd never just put a baby down and not spend any time. But it turned out to be really cruel because within two weeks they had to stop the study because the babies that weren't being nurtured, weren't being spent any time with, weren't being loved on, they weren't just not doing as well. They were dying. And they had to stop the study. And it was a good way of proving we have to have that love and that encouragement, that fostering in our life. And that's why – The Word of God tells us how important it is when it says, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but continue on all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's where, you know, I shared that as I talked with the kids about the friendship and the importance of that. We've got to have accountability in our lives. We've got to have people in our lives that we can count on. And it's cool to watch you two guys interact. You're good friends. You got the background in military, MP, and all that kind of stuff. But as brothers in Christ and in doing ministry together, I know that if one of you struggling, the other one's going to be there to say, hey, what can I do? How can I pray for you? What can I do to help in this? We all have to have people like that. That's why I loved being with that youth group last night and seeing them support each other. And there was a oneness there in Christ. They need that. They've got to have that. We all have to have that love and encouragement. And that's what it tells us in Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24, where it says, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Okay, and I won't go into all that I talk with the kids, but it's fun to talk about that because if you don't know horses, you wouldn't know about this kind of thing. But if you know horses, spurs are used to spur the horse on. Spurs hurt the horse. Now, they don't damage the horse unless you use them incorrectly, but no horse likes to have his sides gouged with metal rowels that poke into him there. I found that I don't even have to use the spurs. All I have to do is have them on. And that horse is like, what do you want? I'm with you. I'll do whatever you want here because they know it's going to hurt if they don't do the right thing. We need that. Uh, Men, I would just tell men in this program here, you need that. If you don't Mm -hmm. have a godly man in your life that you know will come to you and talk to you, Especially if you're struggling, especially if you're going the wrong direction, you got to have somebody to come get all over you if necessary because they love you enough to do so. And that doesn't mean you go to somebody and go, hey, you idiot, what's the matter with you? You, What are you doing? No, it's a, I heard something and I'm coming to you. I'm not going to talk to somebody else about this. I want to know what's going on. How can I pray for you? Are you really involved in what I'm hearing about here? Because if that's true, then I need to know how I can help pull you out of that. And we have to have men that we know will do that, that you really don't want to have to come to you in that way. That's that. That's an important thing for me. My best friend – yeah, there you go. See? Uh, my best friend is the president of our board. 
He's got his doctorate in nursing, and he's a full bird colonel from Army Reserve and is retired now. But he's no nonsense, knows his stuff, and he knows his medical stuff for sure. No question about that. He's written many of the books for uh, doctor for nursing and all of that. And he told me one time, he said, Bay, if you ever cheat on your peg, he knows peg well, if you ever cheat on peg, my wife, he says, I'll first, and then he gives me a description of what he would do, and he can do it. He knows how. And he <laughs> says, and training. then we'll talk. <laughs> I need a guy like that. Yeah. I need somebody who's going to say, no. Bay, and I, on this part, we can talk about it. He said, Bay, I'll castrate you, then we'll talk. You know, well, he laughed a little bit. He said, No, Bay, I'm serious. You know, I know, I don't ever want that man coming to me saying, What were you thinking? And I've been married now 48 years this June 1st, and, and I don't have any desire for anything like that. But I'm glad I have men in my life that will come to me and would talk to me about anything like that that would be a question of mine. Right. And I think that's important. I know, you know, we, we hear a lot of times, I think, I don't know if it's a church thing, like not just, not Calvary church, but just like if people hear it from the church, like you gotta, you gotta be loving. You gotta, you, you gotta be gentle. And, <laughs> and there's a time for that. There is, there's, there's times yeah. for that, but there's also the time that you have to say, Hey, slap them upside the head. That's what are you doing? Right. What are you thinking? That's like, right. And especially for men, men. I think that's important. Oh, like my. for yeah. men, you, uh, yeah. you come and sit down and try and talk to me about my feelings and I'm going to be like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Great. I, I don't care how you feel or I feel. Right. Correct. But if yeah. you come come to me and slap me upside the head, okay, now you got my attention. Yeah. What are we talking yeah. about? And so. the reason that you guys can do that with each other is you've developed relationship and respect for each other. And now you trust each other to be there. And if this was somebody out, uh, just off the streets, you'd go, who are you to talk to me? Right. But you can look at Will and say, Will, you've earned the right to speak to me. So if you need to say something – Okay, I want to hear it. And that's, I'm the same way with my the president of my board, Rick. You know, I've we have been close for 40 years, so I want that longer than that, 50 years. And so I I want that man to speak truth into my life because now I don't always want to hear what he yeah, has to say, right. but I'm I know I need that in my Correct. life. Yeah, he, and we share devotionals from time to time. Yeah, and sometimes when I mess up, he'll. He'll throw my devotional that I shared with him back in my face. Ooh, okay. So it's just like bro. sometimes the same day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that but, has yeah. happened. Uh, uh, so um, with that, the where was I going? Man, you totally threw me off. So yeah. talking about that devotional, well. I mean, because that that's that sparked a whole new thought from reading the book. Uh, the meditating on the word and and knowing that word allows you to see it in your life. Right. So, mm -hmm. and being, and then sharing with it Correct. allows it to be like, Hey, are you thinking about what you were meditating on this morning? Right. And, that's and that's that accountability. Thing. And, yes. um, we have to be able to, to confront each other with, yeah. with that. Otherwise it's going to be, we're going to end up redefining things and doing the things that we talked about before. Yep. So I think that is, um, Super uh, uh, important for everybody, Correct. but what we I think a lot of what we see in the church and within churches is men that aren't stepping up right. and and willing to do that. And a part of it, and Bobby and I have talked about it before, and that's kind of the whole premise behind this podcast when we originally came up with the idea to to reach men was that that the 
the church. I don't churches. I don't think do it right with you know kind of doing like a Bible study and sitting down and uh, you know let's talk about our feelings and touchy feeling. Yeah, yeah. men men thrive on being usually outdoors doing something that's physical, but throwing axes, let's go, let's go shoot guns. Let's go fishing. Let's go hiking. Let's go right. do something. And almost always, almost always I'm with a, a brother in Christ doing something like that. Yeah. God is at the center of it. Yeah, we correct. talk about God nonstop. Yeah. And, um, so I think it's important that men start stepping up. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you do a lot with uh, men's ministry, mm-hmm. what are, what are you seeing in men's ministry that that you that you think needs to to move? What direction do they need to go? Yeah, or? you know, I just did one a year ago for Hope Community Church in Tucson. Uh, good church, good pastors there. Really clicked with those guys and all. But they had their men's retreat outside in an old western town that was the coolest place ever. I said, man, why doesn't everybody do something like this here? You know, But it was outside, and they've got cornhole going and horseshoes, and they're doing all this stuff. You know, I think they had bows and arrows and all kinds of things that they were doing with it there. But it was just – and then the, they were feeding those guys steaks and burgers and all this stuff. Don't give them quiche, you know. I mean, we want something for they the guys that they're really going to yeah. enjoy. Yeah, so, so they really targeted – trying to get the guys right where their interests were and what was going on. And I love speaking in those kind of things because, you know, I, I can pretty much talk about whatever with that because I'm I'm just a redneck Christian. I, that's just who I am. You know, I, I love uh, four-wheel drives and hot rod cars and guns. And, and I have my own throwing uh, tomahawk throwing area at my house for all my grandkids. And we throw hawks and knives and everything else imaginable there just because I want my grandkids – to know that you can be, you can have fun and be a Christian. And uh, we have horses and we bring in pastors and missionaries, a pastor and his wife or a missionary and their wife, and we bring them in and we just treat them to about three to five days of just paradise up in Colorado at our place. One of the best things I can do is when I put a, uh, one of those guys on a horse with me and we ride to the back of our property. Now, they may not even be that comfortable on horses, but we have good horses that you're not going to get thrown off or anything like that. Pretty soon they're going, this is amazing. I'm up in the high country on horseback and in national forests and all that. I've had the privilege of leading two of those guys, uh, not those, but guys that came to my place, men that I've led to the Lord on a horse. Because they were able to just sit and talk and look me in the eye, and we could talk about the things they wanted to talk about. Now, that wasn't the pastors and the missionaries. Hopefully, most of them have that part together yeah. on yes. that there, though I've Correct. seen some of them that yeah. have right. come to, into relationship with Christ, too. So that's no guarantee. But we want to have something that has men realize you can be a man and be a Christian. Somehow, we've let the world uh, paint us into something that's not true, and they want us to look like the— the, the weenies of life or something, you know, that we're it's, just going to be it, wusses. It goes back yeah. to redefining, right? Yeah, redefining and that's what they want to do. Is, oh, masculinity yeah, that and, way there. And, and I know what that's like because I, even when I was with the sons, I had to work through that because I was the the Christian kid that had, was known for loving Jesus and everything because I'd, uh, I'd been in Phoenix at Grand Canyon, so they knew I went to a Christian college. Well, now I'm with the sons. And one of the big questions was, would he be tough enough when he goes against some of these 
uh, tough players. So I had to prove when I'm playing against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, that I'm going to push him around. I, I was telling some of the kids last night, how many times did I hear Kareem say, get your hands off me, get your hands off all the time? Because I was just there to bang him and throw his game off any way I could. I remember the first time we were going to play the Port- Portland Trailblazers, and they had a guy named Maurice Lucas playing for him. Maurice Lucas was 6'10", 240, 245 pounds, big, strong guy. He was known for decking Jabbar in a game one time. Mm. Scared me to death. I'm thinking, this guy will hit you? You know, I mean, that's not part of the game of basketball, you know. But I know this guy's a tough guy, and we're at home. And sure enough, we come down on a fast break, and Maurice Lucas is running into the basket, and he's looking at me like, come on in here, little boy. I got something for you. You know, he was just going to try to intimidate me, and he was just a tough-looking guy. And we came down the floor. Paul Westfall passes me the ball. Instead of just pulling up and hitting the jumper, he passes the ball to me on this fast break, and I knew what I had to do. I was headed right in, and and I could have passed it back to Paul and said, uh-uh, I'm not going against him. But instead, I took off and jumped as high as I could and brought the ball behind my head. Now, this may sound mean to some people, but this is part of the game. Maurice Lucas went up to try to block the shot above the rim, and I had determined if he didn't move his hands, I would snap his wrists on the rim. That's part of the game. You're allowed mm-hmm. to do that. That's yeah. not illegal to do that there. It's his fault if he keeps it because I had the momentum of coming forward on a jump, and he was going straight up. And right at the last, he realized, I'm going to lose this battle. And he pulled down. Of course, our, our fans loved that. But I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. He didn't hit me. You know, <laughs> But I had to prove that. Why do I tell that story? Because, see, as Christian men, we don't have to be soft. Now, we need to be loving and soft and kind to our families and to those around us to just be caring. But we can also be men that know how to be real men. And we ought to be protecting our families. Let me tell you something. You don't want to mess with offending or hurting my wife. Uh, Now, this may not even go over good with some people that say, uh, yeah, well, that's not the Christian thing. No, you don't want to mess with my wife. I will hurt you. And I've seen his grandchildren, too. So they're, <laughs> and they're I got one that I can just have him do it. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's a, that's a great point. Like going into to men, into your last F, the, uh, being a good – having a good father. Right. And, and recognizing that role yeah. in your spiritual growth. Yeah. And that was so good for me because I had that kind of a role model. And that's why I'm glad we do this podcast type of thing like this because some men may not have had that kind of a role model. You know, how many guys today do we know that they didn't have a good father role model in their life? And I love talking about that. When I'm talking to men, I almost always have one of my messages is on being imitators of God. We have to, we have to have role models in our life. How are we going to have a role model that shows us how to be like Jesus? And that's what Paul talked about. Yeah. Is that where where you were at in scripture right there with it there? No, I was just, this was in Job, but you're absolutely correct. It's about holding accountability. And in, was was it Job 4? For behold, I am a small account that I shall answer you. I lay my hand on my mouth and I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will not proceed no further. So we start going into what our roles are, like you said. Right. And our father is that that role model. Huge to have that. Uh, huge to have that part of it there. And that's what Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I like that. That's good. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Bring gl- glory to God in what you do. But then he goes on in uh, the next verse. Uh, he says uh, in 11 verse 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
How audacious is that? Do you hear what he just said? He said, watch my life. I'll show, it is, show you what it is to be like Jesus. Man, we need some men that can do that, that would step mm-hmm. up and say, I want you to watch my life, and I'm going to try to be an example that will let you see Jesus in my life. That's what my grandkids need from me. They right. need me to be, you know, I'm a papa, and we have fun together. But let me tell you something. I want them to see Jesus in my life. I want them to see that Jesus means more to me than anything else in my life. And we need those role models like that. Well, I had that in my dad. My dad was that kind of a role model. To his last breath, he had Jesus on his lips. That's all he wanted to talk about. He loved Jesus. And he was a man's man. I mean, he was uh, varsity basketball and baseball at Grand Canyon College, and he was trained by a Golden Gloves boxer. You didn't want to mess with my dad. He will hurt you. Oh, man. I mean, he was the real deal for a tough, strong man. Always caught the biggest fish, killed the biggest buck. Everybody thought my dad was just the best with that. Well, I love that because he loved Jesus and wanted to talk about Jesus all the time, but he was also a real man. And I didn't have to make an apology for being 6'10", 240 pounds and say, well, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to be... No, it's just being who God made me to be. I'm a man, and it's okay to be that way. We need those kind of role models in our lives that can show us that you can be a man and you can love Jesus with all your heart. Right. And I think... um, So, I don't know, maybe you can... Because we're talking spiritually too, right? And what what God is to us. And I I listened to one of your messages. I don't remember if it was on YouTube or on your website um, about when you were a kid and uh, a young guy had pulled a knife on you. <laughs> I want to yeah. hear that one again because I I absolutely love that story. And I was like, man, that makes so much more sense to me uh, now. You know, and there's some people that say, well, he didn't handle that right. But I'm so thankful for my dad that he was – I called him daddy to the day he died. I tell people for 40 years, my daddy taught me how to live like a godly man. And then for two months, he taught me how to die like a godly man all the way to the end. He had cancer, and it just took him fast, two months. But he it didn't change anything for him. He still loved Jesus and everything he did. He was a builder at the end of his life. And he would – people would ask. He had a great reputation, and people loved for him to uh, build homes for him. And they'd ask about him building a house. He said – Now, I'll do that, but I need to have an agreement with you to start with. I'm going to talk about Jesus all the time. Are you okay with that? Because if you're not, then I can't build for you because that's not something I can do. I can't not talk about Jesus. And he was known for that, for being that kind of a man. Well, when I was a kid, you know, when I was in the sixth grade, I was 5'11", seventh grade 6'1", eighth grade 6'3", ninth grade 6'5", and a half. I was always bigger than everybody else. But in the sixth grade, I remember even as a big kid, I'm walking home from school and a kid comes up from behind me, smaller guy, and he pulls a big old hunting knife on me. Scared me to death. That's back when you could carry a knife at school and not, you know, be suspended forever. You know, if you did that kind of thing. And he pulled, and he shouldn't have had that. I mean, they wouldn't have allowed that at the school, but he had it in his pack, backpack or something. And he pulls his hunting knife on me. I'm not a fighter. I I couldn't fight my way out of a paper bag. For, fortunately, I'm big enough that nobody wants to mess with me. You, both of you guys could take me. Trust me, with all your training, you would hurt me. But it didn't matter because I was big enough. Normally, I could get away with it. Well, all of a sudden, I got a guy with a knife pulled on me. I don't know how to fight against a guy with a knife. You know, I can't do that. So I just turned and I choked him with heel dust. I ran as fast as I could the other direction, you know, and I ran home to our house. Of course, this kid thought, yeah, you don't want to mess with me, that kind of thing. I went back to my husband. It turned out my dad was already home. And I went straight to my dad, and I said, Daddy, this guy just – I told him about the situation. I said, he just pulled a knife on me, a big old hunting knife. My dad got this serious look on his face, and he said, do you know where he lives? 
And I smiled and said, yeah. Because, <laughs> see, now I'm not scared anymore because I'm with Daddy. My da- Nobody messed with my Daddy, you know. And so he said, let's go. And we took off walking down the street to the neighbor's the neighbor kid's house where he was at. We're walking there. Now, I don't care. I'm with my daddy, you know, and I'm tough. And we go up the stairs. My dad, with his huge hand, you know, just kaboom, he bangs on the the front door. Of the. It was perfect. The kid didn't come to the door. His dad came to the door. Oh, it couldn't have been any better. This dad looks up at my dad, and he says, can I help you? And my dad looks down, and he says, yeah, are you so-and-so? And the guy says, yeah. And he says, and is your son so-and-so? And he named the kid. And he said, Yeah. And he said, well, I need to tell you something. My son was walking home to sc- from school today, and your son pulled a knife on my son and threatened him with that. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now one time. That will never, ever happen again, because if it does, I'm not going to come find your son. He put his finger in the guy's chest, and he said, I'm coming for you. And that guy's like, Okay. And I, I, mean, I guarantee you when the door closed, I'm sure he turned to his son and went, are you out of your mind? Why did you pick this guy to do that with? And I never had another problem with that kid. Now, I'm not saying, yeah, send your dad out to kick somebody's hiney if that's what. No. But what was good is I knew my daddy had my back. And that's what we know spiritually. Our heavenly father has our back and he is there for us and he loves us and he cares for us. And I love what Jeremiah Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God has for us. He, he's on our side. He's there for us. Now, I also, one of the things, we throw out that Jeremiah 29, 11, and we don't finish it. And Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13 is so good because it goes on and it says, in those days, what were the days? In the hard days, in the tough days. And that's what we're going through now. We're going to, I think we're in last days. I think we're there. I don't think we're far away from the Lord's return anyway. But in those days when things are hard, when things are bad, when we're watching our our country fall apart and just crash and burn in front of us there, it says, in those days when you pray. I love that. It doesn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. It's like, well, duh. If you, of course, you're going to pray. If you're a if you're a Christ follower, if you believe in Yahweh, the great, the one and only God, then you're going to pray. It says in those days when you pray, it says, I'm listening. I'll hear you. And then it finishes with, and if you'll seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. I love that. He promises. He says, if you'll seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. You'll hear my voice. You'll hear from me. And I'll give you direction. I'll show you what you need for your life. That's our daddy. He's personal. And the thing that I love is that we can climb up into his lap. And a big old guy like me, I still think of myself climbing up into daddy's lap and just letting him wrap his big old loving father arms around me and knowing that my heavenly father loves me and he's got a good plan for my life. Amen. Amen. Like, I, like, yeah. Uh, so when I first heard that story on the video that I was watching, like, it just like made so much more sense to me. I'm like, yeah, like spiritually, that's what I need to do. I need to run. Like, when I'm feeling run like I'm being, being attacked, when I'm Absolutely. having those doubts, doubts yep. those yep. run to God run and to and hey, help yep. me. You know? Yeah, and go up to Him, say, hey, God, this is what I've done. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable yeah. to him and confess those yeah. sins. Yeah. It's all those pieces. It's like, look, I'm getting all kind of chills here. <laughs> uh, but it, it's 
the silly part about it, it's almost that simple. It is, and that's the sad thing. We make it so much more complex than what it is because he says he loves us and has a plan for us. And here's the crazy thing. His word tells us that we get to call him Abba. See, I called my dad daddy. I never called him dad ever. He was never dad. Hey, dad. It was to the day he died, I called him daddy. That was just that term of endearment I used with him. And you know, he was a big old strong man. And I was a big old pro athlete, you know, so it didn't matter. He was still daddy to me. That's what the word of God tells us. It says that we get to call out to him, to cry out to him and call him Abba. And Abba, the closest thing that we can come up with would be Papa. And that's what I chose for a name as a grandfather for my grandkids. Cause I want my grandkids to trust me and I'm Papa and they trust me and they know I'll take care of them, but it's either Papa or daddy. So, and I know with men, they're like, I don't call my dad, daddy. That's fine. But you got to know that you've got a heavenly father that is that kind of a God. He loves you dearly and deeply, just the way you are. And he's not waiting for you to clean your your life up or clean clean your act up to come to him. He says, I'll take you right now, just the way you are. Come to me, put your trust in me, and we will have relationship. And I can offer you eternal life through my son Jesus with what he did. That's huge for us to understand. You know, go ahead. I just want a refresher. I have only three of the four F's. Food, fitness, fostering, or with kids, with teens, I always talk about friends. Yes. And the father. And the father. You're going to loop that in together with yours, right? What you get ready to come with? Uh, All four of these? As much as I want to go to that, um, this has gone super quick. We're already at an hour. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I talk so, so much. <laughs> no, it's it, these are the type of podcasts that I love because I know people are gonna gonna listen to the whole thing. Because if it goes this quick for us, then they're gonna keep listening. So I wanted to first give you any any chance to go over any closing thoughts you have, Bay, and then we'll go to you, Will, and we'll pray out if you would pray for us. But anything you Absolutely. got in closing, Bay? You know, because I'm an evangelist at heart, that's what I, I, and I know that's what God's called me to. My biggest burden would be for anybody to be watching this podcast, to be listening to this, and to say, yeah, but I don't have that yet. What Bay's talking about, I, I don't have that. Oh, but you can right now. You can have it even at this point. And I would just want to encourage everybody, that's why he is a good, good daddy, because he doesn't pick and choose. He doesn't say, yeah, you can get in, but no, you're not good enough. You haven't been a good enough boy. Or girl or whatever. You know, no, it's not that way. And he's just saying, I love you so much. And how do we know how much he loved us? Because he sent his son. And I got a son who's battalion commander at Fort Huachuca. And when he went the first time to Iraq, I didn't want him to have to die for anybody. I, I wasn't interested in him dying. And if, if that's what it would have come down to, I'd have said, sorry, you're going to die because I don't want my son to die. I don't mm-hmm. want, I'm not sacrificed, but the, God of the universe sent his only son to die a brutal death on a cross because he loved us so much. He knew we needed a savior and we couldn't be good enough. And for anybody that says, yeah, I'm going to start trying to do some of those things Babe was talking about because I got to clean my act up. I got to clean my life up and start being a better person. Oh, I'd say, don't, don't even think about it. Don't even try because it doesn't matter right now. I'd tell you, you can't go to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't give enough money. You can't love enough. You can't go on enough missions trips. You can't do anything enough to get saved. There's only one way we can be saved. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And Amen. Jesus said, I came that you might have life 
eternal life and have it more abundantly. And anybody wants to say, yeah, but Bay, it's probably kind of messed your life up. You can't really enjoy life. I challenge anybody to think they're having more fun living life than what I am. I get to tell people about Jesus all the time and he provides for me and I know where I spend my eternity. And people are always scared to death right now about all this stuff going, oh no, I'm going to get, I've had COVID and Omicron and all this stuff like that and everything. I don't care. If I die, I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with Jesus and Mm -hmm. that's better yet. That's like my daddy said. So if you haven't done so, Oh, the best thing you can do is say, God, I can't be good enough. I can't do it. But what I can do is put my trust in you. That's all he tells us to do. That word for believe that is used in John 3.16 is to put full confidence and full trust in someone else. To literally say, God, I can't do it, but you did it already for me with your son Jesus. So I put my trust in you now. And I would even challenge you just to say, God, if if you're who Bay is talking about, then I want you to know I'm trusting you. I'm asking you to come into my life through your Holy Spirit and forgive me of the sin of my life. I'm turning from my old way, and I'm repenting, and I'm turning the opposite direction. I'm turning to you. The first word that God ever, that Jesus ever used in his ministry, he said, repent. It's a soldier's term, and it means about face, and you turn 180 degrees the other way. And maybe you're wondering what you're supposed to do. You just surrender to God and say, God, I just turn to you. I'm turning away from this. I'm turning to you, and I'm giving my life to you. Now would you help me be who you want me to be? And he would say, yes, I will. Watch what I'm going to do for you. And he will receive you as you surrender your life to him, putting your trust in him, and then you can know immediately you have that eternal life. You don't have to do something. You don't have to improve. You don't have to get better. But here's the thing. If you've really given your life to Jesus, oh, you will want to. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments and you'll give your life to him and then want to serve him the best you can. Will you mess up? Well, this guy does all the time. But every time I do, I can confess that and be right with God and move on again with him and you can do the same thing. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm just going to loop in some things and something smaller in in the scale of things, you know, as we talk about the four F's, the food, the the fostering, the fitness, and the father, the father. And so I'm bouncing around in my head and going through scriptures here and there. Just to, And here to, here's, here's what I found, what the father has done for us and feeds into the food, the fitness, and the fostering. You know, Exodus 35, 31. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, mm-hmm. with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. Mm. That's sprinkled yeah. throughout Scripture. Yeah. He blesses us with the gifts that he chooses for us to use Correct. for his glory. Exactly. And so with these four Fs, literally food, you know, fitness, foster, and father, it's it's in Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, they may redefine the words and how it's used, but that it's here. Yeah. I mean, it says it yeah. right here. Our yeah. Father has filled us yeah. with all these things. So like you said, it's not that hard. Yeah. You get after it. You're bringing them to your heart and say, here we go. Let's yeah. get ready to I'm rock with and roll. You, God. Yep. And it's not going to be easy yeah. all the way because yeah. he even says that our, our life is not going to get better, yeah. but it will get better. Yeah. But the path is not going to be easy because yeah. we have right. to do the work. Because if we don't do the work, we're going to just be lost. That's right. So, Amen. Amen. so they, where can people get this book if they want to get well, it? Well, uh, if you'd like to know more about our ministry, uh, just go to focusministries.org. 
F-O-C-U-S-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S.org. And uh, books are available. You can see what we have for resources. My wife and I have written uh, six different books, and so they're available. But as well, just if you want to hear some other uh, messages on there, there's several messages on our uh, website. And I've done a lot of short ones too, a lot of eight to 12 minute things during the uh, COVID stuff. I started putting those together that I could just sort of reach out and give people an encouragement. Encouraging and that's word. on YouTube, right? And it's on I YouTube, saw, and you'll see the link that is tied to that there. And you can see my uh, YouTube channel for what goes on with that. Some of them are on horseback. They're fun uh, to do those. Ones with a zip line and how we trust God. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, getting on that zip line is just like trusting God. So if you want something like that, uh, please feel free to check it out. Uh, we just want to make sure that everybody knows how much God loves them and that plan he has for their life. Yep. And we'll put the, the link to your website in our podcast Great. show notes so that way they Great. can find, they can just click on that link and go straight to your, to Focus Ministries. Um, babe, on behalf of me and Bobby, and I know Will, um, thank you for taking Honored this time. Here. I know you're here visiting family and you, you took the time to come teach the youth last night and took the time to sit down with us again today. And it's been awesome. And I hope this isn't the last one. I hope we're going to do it again. I'll and, come do another one anytime. And, there. and uh, thank you um, for all of our listeners. Uh, check Keep checking because we got we're gonna start posting some small videos. Uh, we got another another big uh, interview coming up with uh, Dr. Jeff Myers. We've talked about it. Please go click on that link to go take the worldview survey so you can have buy-in to to the conversation we have with 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 Jeff Myers. Um, I think that's it. So Bay, will you pray us out, please? Absolutely, be honored. Father God, we thank you for how you're using. Um, Bobby and Steve and Will and Ignited, this podcast, to just reach out and hopefully touch uh, people right where they're at. Uh, whoever is watching this, God, that they would just go, oh, I can relate to that. And yeah, that's something I could do. God, would you just uh, help them to see things from your perspective, open their eyes. Your word says that unless the Spirit of God draws us, we can't even come to you. We can't get saved. We can't have our, our spiritual eyes open. So would you just open each of our eyes the way you want uh, so that we can see clearly what you have for our lives? And so, God, I pray that even as we close out this time, that what's been said today, I pray that it all brings honor and glory to you. None of us need any credit. None of us need any praise, but you deserve it all. And so we thank you and we praise you that you're a good, good Father. And I pray that we would apply, uh, making sure we have the right food of the Word of God, fitness, applying the Word of God, and then that fostering or friendships uh, in our life that encourages and holds us accountable. But most of all, God, I pray that every person that listened today and watched this would choose to make you, to allow you in as uh, Father of our lives. And God, you're the one that accepts us. We don't accept you. <laughs> you choose to accept and love us. Thank you for that. May we surrender to you, put our faith and trust in you, knowing you are the answer for our lives. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus and for your sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.